Katie, hi, how are you doing? I'm good, Richmond. How are you? Yeah, very well. Very well. Now, it's um, it's been a little while. I, I can't remember exactly how long. How long ago did we meet? E -meet. Gosh, it must be 18 months, two years ago, maybe. Really? Wow. Maybe 18, 18 months. I don't know. Time has just disappeared, hasn't it? It's, um, I feel like we're in a kind of warp um, force field of some sort, but, yeah. um, but all will come out well. It's like one of those episodes of Doctor Who. There's a massive vortex that happens and then everything's fine. Well, the, so prior to the vortex, we, we met and um, I volunteered to um, be coached. And we had some, some really interesting and fascinating conversations. And, and I think one of the words that, that's just come to me that stuck you, you called me a sensei, didn't you? A sensei. Sensei? Sensei, yes, yes. Well, that was one of the, um, sometimes in coaching, um, uh, it's quite useful to help people. I find metaphors sometimes work quite well. Um, you know, what is the current way that you're showing up in a particular scenario? Um and sometimes when, you know, usually it's an adjective and a noun, it might be a, you know, the way of the, the calming or the curious or, or whatever sensei or, or teacher or climber or bus driver, whatever it, whatever it is. Um, I think metaphor has a real power because it's, it, there's so much packed into say two words or even one word. Mm -hmm. um, so that, that really helps people once you start to unpack, well, you know, in terms of the curious sensei, you know, what, what's the core belief of that curious sensei? How do they move? What are their actions? How do they interact with other people? And I think giving people a, a hook or um, it's almost like a mini story, if you like, that they can carry around in their pockets or their bag um, just seems to get people to think very quickly about how am I being and how do I want to be? So a kind of current way of being and then juxtapose that with a new way of being. Does that make sense? Yeah, so it's, it's almost like some kind of barometer. This is how I am, that's how I want to be or should be. Mm, the word in, in coaching should, it's a really, really quite a, a kind of, let's say toxic word, but it's a, should, would, or could is always a, a it, it's, the, it's the trio really, the, the toxic trio. Um, you can't should or would or could anything. So it, it's mm -hmm. like, well, I might have an intention, uh, which is great, you know, fantastic, I have an intention. Um, but no, I, I think should, would, or could are always quite, quite challenging, quite challenging words. So, so it's trying to get people sometimes to, even know where they want to be or what, 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 you know, how they want to change in any sense or, or I don't think people change, I think they evolve. Um, so that's my excitement about being, particularly in coaching, whether that's teams or individuals, is this whole process of evolution of either personal or, or collective evolution. And I don't think we, we don't really we don't really teach that we don't really you know we we should teach that in schools 
um, you know, we should teach it in, in, in the, the workplace um, because it's just a, quite an amazing um, scenario when people start to understand that, that we're, we're not in any way the finished version uh, and we're not, <laughs> some of us are, you know, five, five or 10% there, you know, and, and there's, you can look at that negatively, but you can also say, well, there's 90% to play with, right, to grow into. And that's the fascinating piece, I think, about human beings is they are just uh, incredibly elastic, plastic, um, dynamic, and just fascinating, just hugely, hugely fascinating. And we have no idea what our potential is. We have no real clue how far we could potentially develop or, or what how we could become either in the uh, you know and we talked about this the the i we and the it so how can i be uh in myself how can i be with you we're having this conversation now you know miles and miles apart how can i be with you what's our relationship like um you know and what are we doing we're having a, a zoom conversation and uh, you know that's so there's different perspectives on it um and I think just as you start to wake up, as you start to evolve, you start to see the world through at least those three lenses, you know, those that the I, we in it lens, the, the world of, of doing, the world of being, how am I being internally and how am I relating to anybody um, kind of external to myself? Um, and that really gives you, you know, gives anybody three simple perspectives on any situation. Like I say, in, in this moment, there's an I, we in it. The I, there's something happening in me. There's something happening inside of your, your physiology um, and, and muscles, um, particularly in your situation. And, you know, so there's two I's. There's a we, there's a relationship that we're having that we're creating. I can't create this we without you and vice versa. Uh, and then there's an it, you know, we're having, we're doing something, we're creating something, uh, we're creating a podcast via Zoom. So there's an it, there's an action there. Um, and you can do that with every single moment of your life, every single moment, if you're awake. Yeah. You can't if you're asleep. Yeah. You know, it's reruns of whatever, you know, it's a, a Netflix box set mm. nothing wrong with a netflix box set i have to say <laughs> but um they're not known for increasing your um emotional spiritual cognitive uh you know moral capacities i would say yeah. so so you're really then about this this awakening process that's what it sounds like helping people to wake up to their potential I think so. And, and, and it, it, I suppose two things that I particularly focus on, which is energy and um, emotional state, because they're very concrete. They're very two very practical things that you can fundamentally change in your life um, today, if you want to. Mm, yeah. Um, so that that for me and, and, you know, the big game changers, you can't you can't do or change anything without energy. And 
it doesn't matter how brilliant your cognitive capacities are, if you're completely knackered every day, you're not going to do anything particularly miraculous. You're going to survive at best. So the ability to increase one's energy, to understand what are the, what are the, um, the elements affecting your energy, your ability to um, create energy, your ability to recognize that, that energy and the ability to do something with it, something positive with it, um, is hugely important. And I would say the same with emotions as well. Um, it's just a, the more you go into the field of, of emotional, um, you know, awareness, um, management, regulation, mastery, the, the, there are many other labels as well, but you start to realize that um, we all have a greater capacity to, I'm not sure control is the right word, but, um, certainly to regulate and to shift if I'm in a, a particular emotional state can I then shift to something which might be more helpful or more positive yeah yeah and, and how to do that so um yeah those certainly those two things have been game changers in my life um they really have and and that I suppose one of the things that that excites me is that ability to um, try and scale that. So I work for a company called Complete, used to be Complete Coherence. And we're just kind of just got to the, the finishing touches of, of our Complete app. We've, we've got an app out at the moment, or we've had one for a long time. But that sense of where it's all come together, where you can actually measure your coherence so that's the ability of the heart and head to, to function together in 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 a rhythmic uh, way which increases your ability to to think very clearly for example um, so there's that capacity on there where you can actually measure your your level of coherence via your heart rate variability uh, and then your ability to be able to just measure your um, where you are in the universe of emotions so am, am I, is, it, is there a, you know, am I highly activated or highly relaxed on that um, vertical axis? On the horizontal axis, am I in, in a negative emotional state or a positive emotional state? Now, if I'm not somewhere on there, I'm lost yeah. <laughs> because we're, we're all there. We're all somewhere every part of the day, in you know, every moment of the day. It's just that many people have no idea where they are. They have no idea whether they're, I might, I might be highly activated so I can feel something, I can feel myself getting a bit more hyped up and a bit more excited, you know, I might be excited. I might be stressed. I might be anxiety. I don't know if it's anxiety or it's excitement, you know? They're both high energy mm. emotional states. And they might have a, may have similar patterns, similar signatures, um, but not exactly because one is profoundly negative and one is very positive. The effect that that has on the body is, you know, is incredible because if it's if it's anxiety, you know, I'm running cortisol through my system twenty four seven. This is, you know, this is a, a very quick way to a heart attack, amongst mm. other things. So there's a real, there's a real, you know, medical and health imperative so basically how we feel directly affects our health 
on a moment by moment basis. It doesn't matter how many tablets you take, how many beta blockers or whatever, you know, um, we talk about skills, skills, not pills. And, yeah. and, and I think that's a, it's a healthier way to, to focus on it. Sorry yeah. if I sound a bit un- uh, evangelistic about it, but it really is a game changer. Yeah. Well, it, well, it is, isn't it? Because you're encouraging people to be proactive um, rather than reactive. Yes. And I think with a little bit of knowledge, a little bit of information and a bit of willpower, you know, this is, you know, teaching people how to breathe, it's, you know, shouldn't be too difficult. It doesn't take a, a PhD to, to do this stuff it really is pretty simple and like everything else you know it's like what you do you know there are layers of it there are layers of of how deep one can one can go on this stuff but that ability to knowledge is a great thing but as you know um actually putting that knowledge into practice is another thing entirely so giving people knowledge you know, there's there's a lot of I think one of the biggest um, selling books are diet books. Now, if that were the case, why are there so many people that are overweight? It's not because they don't have a, a lack of knowledge about nutrition. That doesn't seem to be the problem. Problem is actually implementing some of that that knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's the same. It's the same thing here. You know, you've got to have a. I think you've got to find a, a, a reason that you want to do it. And, you know, and most for most people, I think it's, you know, you can do that and move towards a positive reason. Um, and that wasn't necessarily the case with me. You know, I, I think I went through a stage where um, I think I've told you this before. My son was was ill with leukemia when he was four and um and I just needed to find a, a place to be, mm. a quiet place to be, because there was just noise, right? Just so much noise. Um, and I remember the night when he was diagnosed and I came home, did the worst thing you possibly could, which is Google uh, childhood leukemia, right? If you ever want to get depressed, um, it's one of the quickest, <laughs> it's one of the quickest methods um to to uh to get to that state so um i i shut the computer and and decided not to not to follow that but that sense of how do you start to shut down some of that noise and get to the signal which is you know which is strong it's there everybody has a signal sometimes it's just there's so much noise going on that we can't find that signal yeah. I'm not quite sure. We can't trust it. So that, does that make that, sense? It does. Make a, no, it makes a lot of sense. And but the ability to close the computer, you know, that that takes a degree of awareness in in itself. Because you know, a lot of people spend a lot of time googling stuff, um, and we'll look for certain things in certain places that we we know about. So Google's one and we'll, we'll start picking up a bit of a thread with that and then follow that and follow that and follow that down a particular rabbit hole, excluding a bunch of other stuff. So being able to do that early on 
was showed a real strength. I don't know about his strength, but I think you you get you get to a stage where you think this is this doesn't feel this is going back to emotions again. This doesn't feel like the right place to be right now. And I think that if you can keep the frontal lobe switched on, you know, if you can keep the the clever thinking uh, available to you, so you don't shut that that possibility down. It's almost like saying, well, what is the the, the best next step you can't think very far ahead in that situation because you just don't know enough but what's what what what's the next step I need to take and what's the next step and what's the next step and I can remember <clears throat> I had days when I literally could only think about getting to to lunchtime or and then from lunchtime could I get to say dinner time and then could I get to bedtime yeah. um and that's how you, you know, that I had, I said, I had kind of weeks like that, and then it, it progressively got got slightly better. But um, no, it's tough. It's really mm-hmm. tough. And I'm imagining, you know, COVID is, you know, has hit different people in different ways. But I would imagine for some people, you know, there might be a a similar, you know, similar or, or, or you know, yeah, similar feeling, especially if you're losing somebody or. or you know, it's affecting yourself, then how we, how I, how we all cope and how we choose different coping mechanisms, I think is quite, quite interesting as well. Where do you go to when the proverbial hits the fan? Mm. Yeah. Choice is a, it's an interesting word, isn't it? And and I know, I know what you mean. I'm familiar with the language and, and the, and the usage but some people might not be familiar with that and, and might say, well, I'm, I'm not choosing that. And I suppose what we have a choice from are the resources that we happen to have built up thus far in our life, depending on how we've been conditioned and the experiences that we've, we've had. And some people are just equipped with more tools than, than others. So if you look, you know, people, for example, who might use alcohol or, or drugs or cigarettes or something, you know, they're, they're meeting some kind of need. That's, that's really the only choice they feel they have at that particular moment. Yeah. I mean, they're all, they're all ways of, of coping, aren't they? They're all, but, but, but essentially they're all ways of masking what you know you're going to have to at some point lean into and they're dangerous because many of them are are, are toxic or, or will will cause a um you know a, a sense of being attached to them in, in in some physical or mental way um i think heart you know our, our, our society i'm going a bit bigger here but our society tends to because that's i'm not saying it's easy but it's easy to to get drunk, it's easy to smoke something, it's easy to take some pills. Um, and I'm not denigrating these as, as ways of, of coping because actually, you know, antidepressants can be um, a very useful. I know a number of people that have used them. Uh, they can be very useful in the early stages as long as you don't get hooked on them. Yeah. Um, they can help you get through the kind of early phases and can be super, super helpful. So I'm certainly not not um, denigrating that um, or any of the ways of coping, because actually, to be honest, 
depending on what the situation is. Um, sometimes you just got to get through those those early stages. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think there's also something to be said for, and this is a phrase which which I keep coming up with, um, and I heard it from from a, um, another coach actually, but this or pair of coaches, uh, one of who's got terminal cancer, but this this sense of continue softly, continue softly. And that kind of resonates with me as well, because I think sometimes I have a tendency to kind of go in to the situation head on and, and almost enjoy the conflict, if you like, or the, the challenge of the situation. And there is definitely something to be learned there, you know, to lean into that. And But sometimes I think it's about sitting with, you know, the continued softly is sit with the the giant hairball, I sometimes call it, you know, it's, it's dark, it's matted, it's, you don't really know what's in there, right? And it's kind of moving and you're thinking, what is this amorphous mass that I can't get any kind of traction on? Um, can I continue softly? There's some other sayings as well that I re remember, it's just like, you know, I, you know something like, I can't go on, I can't go on, I can't go on. Therefore, I go on. And, and it's that sense of, I probably don't have any choice here. But of course I do. I absolutely have a choice in, in every moment. You know, a good mutual friend of ours, you know, Mike Pegg, will, will definitely um, talk about choices and, and consequences, right? That's been drummed into me for <laughs> years and years and years. Um, but sometimes we like to you know, and myself included, fall into this kind of slightly sort of victim mentality. This shouldn't be happening to me. Yeah. You know, this is not right. Uh, blah, 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 blah. And, and, and whilst it's totally understandable, uh, it's not terribly helpful. Yeah. <laughs> it's what <Yeah>. I've learned. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you, can, you can have that compassion for yourself, right? Hold yourself compassionately. But you know deep down that that's you're not really dealing with it. You're not really um, you're not really leaning into the fire. Yeah. And so that that would be your encouragement and guidance, helping someone to to lean into this mass or fire or other metaphors. I think lean into yes, but um, it might take a bit of sitting next to first. Leaning into might be too much of a might be too much of a first step. So I think sometimes it's just it's just sitting with the uncertainty. And I think a lot of people at the moment, um, you know, through a global pandemic, nobody knows what's going to happen. Nobody knows. Um, what what the sort of some of the consequences? We know some of them, but we don't know all of them. Mm, um, yeah. And we just don't know what kind of you know the the impacts that it's going to really have. So I think for some people it's hugely unsettling because it's just like I want to know. I want to have a world which I could have some clarity and some certainty. Well, I don't think I don't think we ever lived in a world like that. But if we if we did even a tiny bit, we certainly don't now. And so I, I think 
it affects all of us. Can we sit? Can we honestly sit with this uncertainty of not knowing and that be okay? Yeah. I'm okay with not knowing. Really? Yeah. I mean, that's it. It's, it's sort of, it, it has shaken. And I, I've thought about this as well. The fact that, you know, life was uncertain before COVID. There's, there's very few things that are definite. Um, and do you, do you think COVID has changed that at all? Or is it just still in your mind, still uncertain? It's just something else to be uncertain about. I think it, well, it's difficult, isn't it? Because you don't want to trivialise it in any, in any sense. But I think that, that sense of, it's, it's, a, it's almost like a once in a lifetime scenario where it's affecting everybody. It's not just affecting people in your town. It's, this is global. Mm. And it's almost like we have, a, I, I feel we have a responsibility to do something positive with it. And certainly in the world of kind of work and school and education, we have this moment almost where it feels like don't waste this. You know, don't, I always talk about, you know, um, don't waste a good crisis. Yeah. And I'm not sure whether this is a good crisis, but it's a crisis. Don't waste a crisis. Yeah. Because there are moments of inflection where the energy is high, right? The focus is high. And, and you've got a lot of impetus, energy, focus, money, resources um, to make a change. And, and I think that that, I mean, I do have a bias towards change anyway, but um, it just feels like there's an opening. It feels like mm -hmm. at the moment there's an opening in, in so many areas, healthcare, for example. You know, why aren't we doing much more with preventing uh, and you, you know you, you're you're a real advocate and 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 um, evangelist for this. Um, why aren't we taking care of ourselves better so we don't have to go into, uh, you know, and, and draw upon the NHS resources? Yeah. Because um, the you know the best way of staying fit and healthy is is is, is not getting ill. You know, yeah. at the risk of stating the bleeding obvious here. Yeah. Yeah that that kind of it sounds like there's a you feel there's this opportunity for for a togetherness on you know the, the energy high you said and and it's brought a lot of people out doing lots of amazing things and to capture that instead of letting it fizzle out yeah i mean i'm 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 very optimistic as you know so um and and i i, I just kind of tend to see the best in people and we've seen a lot of you know great acts of humanity um you know and there's some some beautiful times that when the olympics was the same thing walking around london when the olympics was on it was like living in a different world mm. people smiled at you on on the underground right and um it was just like um, the people spoke to you it was just amazing absolutely amazing um and to a certain extent there's a little bit of that with with covid as well Although there's this, this sense of having to keep two metres distance from, from people, that doesn't help. It's not easy. Um, but there is a bit more understanding and kindness and compassion that, that the other person might be struggling as well, you know, and 
let's just cut them some slack a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's, it's inevitable these conversations drift into COVID because, as you said, it, it, it has affected literally everyone. And that, that may be the main, the main difference between this and other, other uncertainties that are more regional, perhaps. And, and I guess we can say that we, we go around trying to make some sense of that and try and create some kind of certainty with what we're doing. Do you think that's what you do with your coaching on one level? I don't think my coaching creates certainty, <laughs> Richmond. You, you'd be the first to, uh, to talk about that. I think, I think the, the best thing is, is to be able to create a space for people and ask some half-decent questions. Uh, in terms of um, eliciting purpose, I think is a really good conversation to have with people. Most people don't really know what their purpose is. I think it evolves. I don't think it changes as you get older. I think it evolves. Um, and it becomes more, more nuanced. I think that ability to get some clarity on a situation, on a present situation, is really important for people, especially at the moment, because there's so much overwhelm is a big is a big player at the moment. So I think just getting some clarity, some simplicity, and, and a bit of prioritization. But I think it depends what people are looking for. Some people want more solutions orientated, you know, they or they want you to to tell them what to do. Yeah. Um, yeah doesn't tend to be the coaching that I that I do I think it's more it's trying to kind of ask people questions that are going to open them up and get them to think about things they haven't thought about or get them to think about it in a way they haven't thought about it before and and quite often we are you know we're quite blinkered we're quite you know maybe two-dimensional in our in our thinking if you can add one more dimension or two more dimensions that, you know, just let's just go a little bit wider. Let's go bigger. What, what, you know, if you look at your thinking and you look at yourself, you know, am I just on these, these tracks, train tracks, um, you know, or, or could I do something? Could I do something different? Could I think about this in an entirely different way? Um, and I, I don't know, I mean, I, the risk of getting into a, a long-winded story, but, but that sense of, I went to university, Leeds University, to do accounting and finance. I did a year of it, hated it. Um, I left. I went to run some health clubs in Oxford and Cheltenham. Um, got involved with a guy who's much older than me. Um, got into quite a difficult relationship situation and ended up running away to Hong Kong as a personal first personal trainer in Hong Kong mm. and from there uh, also bullshitted my way into to TV and um, uh, and I did a film as well I was out there I did voiceovers for kung fu movies um, for Cathay Pacific in-flight movies so it, you know you're only limited you know and all I, I, I'm not saying that for any other reason but just to say that 
none of that was on my life plan um, simply because I didn't have a life plan. Um, but none of that was planned. I didn't know I could do any of those things. Yeah. I honestly didn't. I was also in an all-female theatre company as well. And I played Macbeth um, <laughs> in, not Lady Macbeth, but Macbeth in, you know, sackcloth and, and Doc Martens on Macau, you know. And, and it's just all these slightly bizarre situations where you think, um, really? <laughs> what? <laughs> But, but you see, all of that, and I didn't know where any of that was leading, but it but it led after four years in Hong Kong to come back. I worked for ITN, sorry, ITV is, to start off with, um, just as a freelancer. And then I got a call four weeks later from the BBC in Southwest saying, do you want to come and be a broadcast journalist with us? Um, so I did that for three years. And then I went to work for um, Channel 5 News in London, which was produced by ITN. So I worked for ITN for nine years. Um, as a broadcast journalist, mainly presenting. Um, and, and I suppose what, the reason I'm saying that is because sometimes you just have to let go. You just have to, I don't know what I want to do. I don't know uh, what I can do, what I'm capable of doing. Um, but I have some energy, I have some motivation. I know I've got some skills that I can build on um, and, and some confidence. Uh, and just try some stuff and be willing to, you know, be willing to, to fail as well. You know, I went for auditions for voiceovers for, for the sort of B, B porno movies, not porno movies, but the, you know, and, and I got rejected because my, you know, my breathing and my dialogue in an American accent wasn't good enough. You know? <laughs> um, it's just like, get over it, girl, pick yourself up and go and do something else. So, you know, I'm not saying that's the only thing I failed at, but try some stuff, try some stuff. And I think sometimes we're very limited uh, as to what we, what we think we can do or what we think we can try. And I wrote a book, I co-wrote a book called, uh, And What Do You Do? with Dr. Barry Hobson, who's written way more books than I've written. He's written about 39 books. And, um, and we wrote this book about portfolio careers. So um, how to have a portfolio career, which is what I had 10 years ago, um, which is working, working two or more jobs. Um, and that could be at the same time. It could be doing, say, six months a year doing something. And six months a year, we had somebody doing a ski chalet made for six months. And then she was a, a bookkeeper for six months, for example. Some One person we interviewed had 10 jobs. Wow. Um, so it's almost like what I love about this time is I love the fact that there's no rules or very few rules. And so what, what can work for you? You know, what can work when you're talking about work? I know we're jumping around here, but in terms of a career, you know, one doesn't have to be a lawyer or a, you know, a doctor or a, a, you know, a physicist or whatever it is. Um, nothing wrong with those as, as careers, perfectly good careers, um, but they're not for everybody. Yeah. And at different times of your life, you're going to need, you know, I have two children as well. You're going to need different, um, you're going to need different ways of, of making a living and using your talents mm. um, and being the best that you can be. Um, you're going to need to figure out different ways of doing that. So I, I think there's kind of that in the mix where 
I suppose you, you get the sense even from how I'm talking. I, I don't I don't do rules very well. I don't see I don't see boundaries very very well, <laughs> which sometimes causes causes issues. But um, but no, I, I don't I don't see hard and fast rules, and, and I think we we have much more um, ability to to play with these these concepts, these ideas, these you know, in terms of what we do, in terms of who we are, how we show up. And in terms of how we relate to other people, back yeah. to the I we it again. So the, the, this, these kinds of themes and your your approach, do you, do you feel that's that's always been the way, and that that led you to the newsroom and then beyond into what you're doing now? Are they the same kinds of strengths and themes, or have you just made discoveries along the way? I think it's, you know, it's, it's a literal and metaphorical journey. So I've always had this, um, I suppose I've always had a, a certain amount of, of self-confidence, although when I went to Hong Kong, my confidence was very, very low. I was not in a great place. But that ability to almost kind of pick yourself up and start, all, you know, when you're that low, the good news is there isn't much further you can, you can fall, right? So it's all like the bottom is pretty close. Um, so I think if you can get yourself into that mentality that there's not a lot to, to lose, so the only way is up. But it's still you still got to find that energy and that excitement, and you you know you're motivating people. I was a personal trainer, so um, yeah, I, I think you find it. I think you find it in. Oh, I certainly do in in adverse. And, and very, very positive situations. But in adversity sometimes, and I think you see it, you know, where we are more generally in the world, you see adversity tends to bring people closer, tends to bring out the nicer, kinder, more compassionate side of people. And that's, you know, it's a beautiful thing to, to see and experience. Yeah. It really is. Yeah, no, no, for sure. And as, as we we're saying, we've seen lots of examples of that. And hopefully that will become more of a of a way. But so how did how did you get into the coaching side? Um, well, I was sort of coaching when I was the kind of tail end of my journalistic um, TV news career. Um, I used to host quite a number of conferences and I used to get asked to, to coach CEOs or senior leaders in terms of presentation, how to present, how to pull a presentation together, how to present themselves um, in front of a camera or an, or an audience. So I was kind of coaching the uh, the mechanics, if you like, of mm. it. But the bit that I was missing, and I always knew I was missing it, was how do you how do you coach somebody from the inside out? I was coaching on the outside, essentially. I was coaching yeah. what I knew. Um, what I wasn't able to coach was from the physiology to what, what happens on the inside. If you can get a sense and a, and a sense of control of how to control the physiology, then I can much easier to control what's happening on the outside. Yeah. I've got I've got a I've got a chance at least. 
Um, and that for me, when I, I, I met Dr. Alan Watkins, who runs Complete, and I, and I listened to him, it was a, a TED talk that I, I, I did a TEDx talk and he did it, he was there as well. And I thought, this is it. This is what I've got to, this is what I've got to understand and I've really got to get into um, and get to the bottom of because I don't, I don't understand it. And that's really going to help my clients to move forward. Uh, if I can really understand how do you get from the inside to the outside and how do you teach that? How does somebody learn how to do that? That's really important. And, and what was it that he said that, that really captured you? I th well, there are lots of things, really. I mean, it's, I think that the, the talk is still on, is still up at the moment. That was about 10 years ago. And I think it's got about three million views on it, which is worth going to have a look at it in, in, in itself. Just um, you know, being brilliant every day, Dr. Alan Watkins. And, and that, that sense of, um, you know, if you can control your physiology, you can control your, um, your energy, emotion, your emotion which affects your feelings, the feelings affect your thoughts. There's a reciprocity between those two, but there's a stronger um, efficacy, I think, from feeling to thinking. Um, and then you can affect what kind of, from, from there, from thinking affects your behaviours and affects actually what kind of results, affects, you know, it could be sporting results, it could be academic results, whatever kind of results that you're, you're looking at. So that was one piece for me because that that really made made sense. Another piece was actually um, <clears throat> he'd pulled somebody out of the audience, put an ear clip on them, which measured their heart rate variance, which is the space between each heartbeat. And um, he was <laughs> he was berating this poor guy, this poor, poor volunteer on stage um, and getting him to count down um, in threes from 300. Uh, and, and basically said there's 20 quid to charity. Each one you get wrong is 20 quid to charity. So this poor guy who'd, who'd sort of, you know, volunteered for this was, was kind of really struggling. And you could see his heart rate was going all over the place. And you could see his um, level of coherence was really dropping as well. And, um, and then Alan stopped that and he basically got him to follow a breath pacer. And you could immediately see, probably well, within 30 seconds, right? You know, and he said, you don't have to be a Jedi master or, or, or have meditated in a cave for, um, you know, for hours and hours uh, or for years and years to, you know, to be brilliant at this. You can do this within 30 seconds. And just that ability and just the fact that the guy was so clear after he, he'd done this, um, was just incredible. For me, it was just like, I need to be able to understand this and be able to teach this to, to other people because it's, um, this is really, I didn't realize how important it was, but I knew at that point it was super important. So that ability to, to do that was, was, yeah, for me, it was a game changer. Yeah, so, so people learning how to regulate themselves with something very practical and accessible to all in a sense. Yeah, I, I think, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I can I can talk a good talk, but you've got to be able to land it. You've got to be able to uh, something concrete at the at the end of it. And what I like about it is, yes, there's you know, there's concepts and there's ideas, 
but actually that ability to be able to land something very practical for somebody and they can feel a difference and somebody can even see a difference then that that kind of seals it for me yeah yeah no you you like to see you can demonstrate the success yeah yeah definitely so there's there's a lot of um caring and concern for for other people how how do you look after yourself Yes, that's always a good one, isn't it? And I think um, I had to learn quite a lot about um, compassion. I think that's when I say had to learn, I'm, I'm learning every day. I think that ability to give, it's a lot easier to feel compassion for somebody else than it is for, for self. Um, so I think, I think that's a, it's definitely a journey that I'm, that I'm on every, every single day. I have a routine. So I get up at 5.30 and I, and I do some breathing exercises and practice breathing. And then I do some exercise, kind of usually cardio exercise. I'll be going out for lots of, lots of walks. Um, so I, I think getting into routine is really important. It's really important for me anyway, because it means I get plugged. I plug myself into the mains, which is really important. And if, if I can plug myself into the mains every morning, then whatever happens, it's a heck of a lot easier to, to deal with it. Yeah. Yeah, well, as, as we said, or we spoke about at the beginning, um, we, we did some, some work together. So I had some insight into, into the approach, which I, I thoroughly enjoyed. And, um, and I, I love the, you know, the, the thinking, feeling connection that you, that you focus on. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's not, you know, it's not an approach for, for everybody, but I think it's, it's a very simple, at the, at the heart of it, it's a very simple approach. Um, and it's quite, it's, it's quite easy to teach. Um, the hard bit is just getting people to, to do it and get into a rhythm, you know, mm. every thing with physiotherapy is, is, you know, I know what to do, will I do it? <laughs> very yeah. different very different questions yeah yeah what um what, what kinds of people do you see or, or or who who would come and see you mainly well mainly business people um because that's the kind of market that we're that we're aiming at but i mean in terms of what sort of challenges they have it can be very much business related but it's usually it's usually in the eye and the we you know most most challenges are in the eye and the we how can I how can I show up differently how can I have more energy how can I be less overwhelmed by everything that's happening um, how can I approach conflict uh, you know something's not going right with somebody at work um, how do I you know how do I make the leap to the next stage of my career um, you know, I've got to hear, you know, what's got me here won't necessarily get me there. Mm. Um, so yeah, those, those are some of the, some of the issues that people have. And I'd say, I think most, for, for many people, particularly people that, that are, are quite, um, senior in business, uh, it's very rare for them to have that time and space to actually even think about what their next move or, or, um, how they're going to cope in in you know massive kind of complexity and, and overwhelm yeah 
And there you are offering that um, that service, which is fantastic. Where where can people find you? They can find me at Complete or Complete Coherence. So just complete-coherence.com. Uh, that's probably the best place. And there's um, there's lots of resources on there, lots of webinars and podcasts and stuff on there where you can find out more more information. I actually run a um, a certification program for complete as well in in the values profile. So, which is a, a sort of a diagnostic where um, you really find about what what motivates people. So that's taking up quite a bit of my time at the moment as well. So, um, but good fun because you get to meet kind of different kinds of people and different coaches and, and different people within organizations so yeah that's a stretch yeah great fantastic well listen um I'll, I'll put those those links on the on the page um but it's been great to to catch up after a little hiatus yeah and, and you hear about what you're up to well man i have to say well i th- you know um well you know i exercise a lot like you like you do and um you know over the last year or so there's been sort of quite a lot of opportunity to do that so which i'm thankful for um so you know as, as you know you you got to you know we we we're here to help others and we we have to make sure we look after ourselves to keep doing that um and that's an you know it's an important message um because uh you know only only we can do that and it's not selfish it's it's important so i'm glad to hear that you're still keeping up with your your routines as well yeah essential i would say essential yeah Yeah. (laughs) brilliant brilliant all right well thanks again and um well make sure you keep in touch will do will do take care richmond take care bye bye